about the meaning of your name. So I have an Irish name and in classic Irish name fashion, my name sounds quite nice, quite easy, but is actually spelt in a really confusing way. So I quite often get asked what my name means. However, in our culture, it's not really the norm to think that much about the meaning of your name. I don't know about you, but other than people going, ooh, that seems weird, how do you spell that? What does that mean? I never really think about the meaning of my name. But in Bible times, it was different. People's names were not just a nice name, a name that their parents liked, maybe a family name. They were named out of their circumstance, out of their situation. So there's an example of this in a book called 1 Samuel. And there's this lady called Hannah. And she had been praying and praying and praying for a child because she couldn't have children. And she went to the temple and she was praying so much that the priest guy thought that she was um, drunk. And she was like, no, I'm just praying. So then she went home and she tried again to make a baby with her husband. And it says in the first chapter, um, verse 19, it says, Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah. Funny that they have like the same name. Um, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Next to the name Samuel, there's a little B. And then there's a note at the bottom. So if you read the corresponding note, it says, Samuel sounds like the Hebrew for heard by God. So this lady prayed and prayed. And because God heard her and gave her a son, she named her son something that sounded like heard by God. Now, this isn't the only example of somebody in the Bible being named out of a situation. It also was quite common um, for babies to be named in a way that said something about them. It was almost like a prophecy, which is like a, uh, a divine knowledge of the future or a godly prediction about their lives. So in um, Genesis 25, there is a story about two babies, two twin brothers, um, and I'll read that. So verse, it's Genesis 25, verses 21 and onwards, and it says, Isaac, that's their dad, um, prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayers and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled with each other. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated and one people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Now this is a bit, the bit that's important. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment, bit weird. So they named him Esau and then the note next to his name says Esau may mean hairy. I wouldn't personally like to be called hairy but that's okay, that was what he, he was hairy so it made sense. After this his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel so he was named Jacob. And then the note next to that says, Jacob means he grasps the heel, a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. 
Now this is super interesting. Please feel free to go away and read this because like read on from this. Um, because obviously he came out grasping his brother's heel. So it makes sense that that's why they called him Jacob, which means grasp the heel. But this thing about how it was an idiom for he deceives, that's really interesting because in the future, he goes on to deceive his brother and deceive his father to gain the birthright. So his name had a really significant meaning for the rest of his life. Other times in the Bible, God changes someone's name to give them a new identity or to signify a really big turning point in their life. For example, Abraham was once called Abram. Sarah was once called Sarai. And Paul was once called Saul. This series, we are going to be looking at some of the many names for God. Names which describe him, which tell us about what he is like and what he does. And today, we are going to be starting with Elohim, the first name that we encounter in the Bible for God. Right back in Genesis 1, at the beginning of all things, we read in our Bibles, God. But in the Hebrew, we would hear Elohim. So we see here where it says God created the heavens and the earth is Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim said, let there be light. And Elohim said, let there be a vault between the waters. So Elohim made the vault. Elohim called the vault sky and so on. You get the picture. So we are reading here about a God who creates all things, who has power over all things and authority over the entire universe, the whole cosmos. Now he had so much power that we read that he spoke these things into being. He said, let there be light and there was light. So we are not just reading God did this. We are reading God most high, almighty God, supreme one. This name for God describes his power and declares his authority over the universe. Interestingly, when we move through to chapter two of Genesis, there is more of a focus on humans, on Adam and Eve. And at that point, the name of God changes just from God or Elohim to Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. Feel free to pause this video and go and check out if I am right, because it should say in your Bible, the Lord God and the Lord is in tiny little capitals. So go check that out now. That is called the Tetragrammaton. That is the Hebrew Yahweh. Uh, it's this actually, have it tattooed here. And um, this is the personal covenant name for God. This is the Redeemer God. So when we're reading in Genesis 2, we're reading about not only God who is almighty, most high, most powerful creator of the universe, but we are also reading that he, it's being described that he is personal, relational, redeeming God who loves us. So let's just think about this idea of most high for a moment. Is this how you think about God when you think of your life? Is God 
the most high in your life. Because you see, it's not just a nice name, it's a description of who he is. Now, I don't know if you or someone you know has ever had a nickname where it's, it's not just a funny nickname, it's come out of something that they've done or something that they are and it kind of describes them. I used to know this guy um, in my youth group. There were two Johns um, in our youth group, but one of them um, was really big, uh, really tall, big guy, and his surname was Briggs. So his nickname was Bigsy. And it was kind of like a play on his surname, but it was also a description because he was big. And so we didn't have this confusion of like that John and that John. It was that one was John and one was Big Z because it described that he was big so everyone knew who you were talking about. In a way, it's kind of like that here. So the thing for us is we cannot say that God is God, that God is Elohim, if we are not giving him authority over all things in our lives because that is what his name describes of him. That is what Elohim means. He is supreme. He is God most high. Have a think for a moment. What in your life is most high? What has the most authority? What has control? What is the thing that is shaping your day, shaping your mind, your decisions on a day-to-day -day basis? It might be that it's a boyfriend or girlfriend. It might be that it's the way people think about you. It might be your grades, your academic progress. Um, you name it, there are many things. I'm sure each of us could think of something that is most high and more often than not, it's actually easier to think of something else that's most high than God. So here's the thing. We must submit to God's authority. And that doesn't just mean going to church or watching church on a Sunday. That doesn't just mean saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, when people ask you. That doesn't just mean maybe reading my Bible every so often. That means giving God control and access to every area of your life. Now, I'm sure for each of us, there's something that we could say, if we really think about it, maybe we haven't given God access, we haven't given God full control of that thing. That might be a friendship, a relationship, that might be gossip, that might be how we spend our time or what we watch on our phone, that might be the way we treat the opposition when we play a team sport. Now I want to tell you a story about something that happened to me over lockdown. So right at the beginning of lockdown, when we had more time, um, we had lots of free time, um, I decided to read a whole load of books. I love reading and I'd totally just not had time, got out of the habit of it. And in the process of reading all these books, um, God was revealing stuff to me about things in my life that were kind of controlling me, that were like really deep stuff from years and years that had had a big impact and a big control over my mind and over my decisions. Um, the first of these was the desire to be beautiful. It was the desire to be attractive to other people and um, I always cared what people thought about me, especially regarding my appearance. And so I realised through processing this with God that it was 
meaning I felt I had to wear certain things, I had to look a certain way, and I was constantly worried about what people would think of my appearance. And the other thing was that um, there was this really deep desire to be what the Bible calls righteous, to live in a way that pleases God, that um, obeys the guidelines that he set out for us in his word. Um, but this wasn't like a healthy, like, I really want to live for God and I'm striving to live well. This was like a crippling, horrible thing, which I, I was overwhelmed by fear. I was overwhelmed by shame and the pain of the mistakes that I made and were making was just too much. And one, one Sunday, we were on Zoom after Youth Live like this, and it had been Sophie's talk um, at the beginning of the Ruth series, and we were talking about the meaning of our names. And I remember thinking, I'm going to search the meaning of my middle name, because I, I actually know what the meaning of my first name is, um, and it's beauty. And I had been, I'd known that for ages, but I'd almost been embarrassed to say, like when people say, oh, what does that mean? And it's like, because I felt like I was like tooting my own horn, if you know what I mean. So I didn't say it. I was embarrassed of it. And then I looked up my middle name. Now, this might come as a surprise to you, considering my first name is Aoife. And in England, that's kind of unusual. But my middle name is Karen. Karen with a Y. So, you know, individual over here. So I searched Karen with a Y meaning. And... Um, I was actually emotionally smacked in the face by what it meant um, and I waited until after the Zoom to go and cry but it means pure and in that moment I was shocked. I was really shocked because I realised that the two things I had been striving for without even realising for years and years was beauty and purity and those are my names. That is what I am called. And in that moment, I felt so loved by God because I felt, actually, you know what? I can never produce these for myself. I can never create beauty or purity for myself. I can never do enough to meet or satisfy these needs. But I can trust that God, who provides all things, will. To the point where before I even knew I would desire these things, when I was a tiny little baby, God prompted my parents to name me those things. So for me, that was just like such, um, such a realization that God provides for me, that God knows what my needs are. And actually, that the things we strive after, the things we try to do to fill our needs and our satisfaction, they will never cut it. They will never cover what we need because it, that only comes from God Most High, Elohim. Now, that might seem a little bit silly, and I'm, what I'm not saying is that you are going to go and search what the meaning of your name means, and then you will find the desires of your heart. I don't mean that, but I do mean that God knows you, and that God provides for you, and that part of him being God Most High, the Supreme One, is that he is the ultimate provider. If he could speak the universe into being, if he could create everything from nothing with just words, of course he knows what you need and of course he will provide what you need. We need to firstly submit to his authority 
bring everything that's in our lives under his control because he knows what's best. And secondly, trust that he will provide. Trust that he knows what our needs are and he wants to provide for them. The things we mentioned earlier, maybe a boyfriend and girlfriend, Instagram, whatever it may be, all of these things that, that fight for control in our lives, they may satisfy us and make us happy for a short time. They may make us feel good for a certain amount of time. But after that ends, we will be sad and we will be emptier than ever because they do not satisfy in the way that God Most High does. So my challenge for you today is when you think about God, Elohim, Almighty One, does He have authority over everything in your life? And do you trust Him to provide all that you need? I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you that you are God Most High. You are Almighty God, Elohim, Creator of the Universe. Lord, would you help us to understand what this means? Would you help us to submit to your authority in our lives and to trust that you know what is best and you will provide for us what we need? Help us this week, I pray, to live under your authority and to trust you as Almighty God Most High. In Jesus' name, Amen.